1: A feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter.
2: You may not know who Glenn is, but I
1: bet you have heard about Hunt Domain. One of the three meme slash hunting accountability accounts. That tends to point things out in the hunting industry that most are turning a blind eye to.
2: You could maybe call them a troll account, but Glenn
1: doesn't like that word. Glenn and I have a very straightforward conversation discussing the problem with hunting, the systemic issues in our community, whether there's anything wrong with being an influencer,
2: and the idea. Of self-censorship.
1: I would go ahead and grab your popcorn now.
3: Yeah, I'm going to tell you right now, it's, it's going to be difficult for me to uh, step back. Uh, I've actually said no to a lot of podcasts yeah. just because I don't know if I was ready at the point of being able to relinquish the control. You know, So I've always been in sure, control sure. and I can do whatever I want. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm like, oh, I got to step back and try did to do this. Did you speak own.
1: with Ryan before you did this?
3: Yeah. Yeah. I talked to him a little bit and, you know, I kind of reached out and he's like, you know, I was going to push you. He's going to push some buttons and then you're going to feel like, oh man, I have no idea what I'm talking about, but you know, I'm ready for it. Cause, uh, you know, it, this hunting thing, you know, I just mm-hmm. say it is a thing has been a part of my life for a long time, but it's only recently been such a huge time sink for me. You know, I, I took it for granted growing up, you know, I lived on a farm, did it every day, you know, like squirrel hunting, you know, in the the early season, you know, deer hunting, you know, I, I did it all. And I, I took it for granted a hundred percent. And it wasn't until I got older and I was like, wait, can I cuss? Curse? You can cuss. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. I'll, ma- I'll make sure they're pointed. Uh, so, you know, I was like, shit, you know, I feel like, my whole entire life I've been spending doing the same thing that I've always wanted to do. And I just never knew it. Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah, that's kind of how I, I really got into this. And then now the way I see hunting going, it saddens me and maybe the memes and uh, making fun of people are the coping mechanism that I use, but sure, sure. Um, at, at the end of the day, I, this hunting thing is is the greatest thing ever. It's made me, Uh, become a better person. It's maybe, you know, allowed to meet other people who share the same passion for me. You know, I met lifelong friends that I still talk to today that I've met years ago, Uh, Ryan, one of them. And that's what I enjoy about it. It's the camaraderie behind it. It's, you always have something in common with somebody else, if that makes sense.
1: So uh, since, like I expected, you know, we ran off the deep end our way, and I see you've got a brown <laughs> beverage just like I have.
3: <laughs> yes, um, I told uh, my
1: wife, I said, I'm going to have to get the good stuff out tonight. This um, is uh,
3: The cheap stuff, 17 Hey,
1: so, uh, it's all good. Uh, little did anybody know that who just explained the reason why they're so passionate about hunting is a guy called Glenn. Not many people know you as Glenn, though. Mm. So why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself?
3: All right. So my name is Glenn Allwood. I am also AKA'd as the hunt domain. Um, that is something I've been doing for the past. I'd say I started in like late 17. Um, I, I got to preface this whole entire thing because, you know, I grew up hunting, but I never was in the hunting industry. I never would. Would you consider yourself in the hunting industry now? To a certain extent, yes. Um, to a certain because extent, no. because you
1: guide waterfowl hunts.
3: No, no, no. I, I would say more so um, because of some of the other ventures that I'm into that I don't necessarily uh, let everybody know on the hunt domain. So I am a part of a, a team called Backcountry Traditions. It's a TV show on Pursuit Channel. Yeah, uh, great show. We got some good team members on uh, now. So and Ryan was actually a part of the show, yep. but, uh Before, but but at the same time. Um, I don't like to just let that be known to everybody, maybe some few select people. And that's only because it's one of those like little disclaimers at the bottom that says the ideas represented by Hunt Domain are not expressly, you know, adopted by backcountry traditions. I just want to keep the two separated. Sure, of course. That's the only reason I would say I'm in the hunting industry. I don't call this page the hunting industry Mm -hmm. at all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But let me get back on track. Sorry.
1: No, you're (laughs) good. You're good. Are you a veteran like Ryan?
3: Yes. Yeah. So I served, uh, like six years, a little bit over six years in the Marine <laughs> Corps, um, did some time over there. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, probably not as kinetic as Ryan. Ryan was in a little bit earlier cause he's kind of a salt dog, but you know, I was the, the new breed. So.
1: Well, just from, from my perspective, I, I always want to acknowledge and thank you. I know you hear it all the time, but specifically for somebody like me, who didn't grow up in this country, is now an American citizen, proud to be an American, and I'm raising my two young boys in this society that I'm privileged to be a part of because it truly is a privilege in terms of the things that we have here, the public lands, the right to bear arms, the fact that we can walk into any public land with a loaded weapon doesn't happen anywhere else in the world. And it's because of guys like you that that's possible. So just thank you.
3: No, I appreciate your support. Absolutely. No, I really do. Um, man, we, we got really sidetracked. We're going all these tangents. So, um, you,
1: so you started Hunt Domain in 17, and it yeah, has obviously okay. evolved since then.
3: It's definitely evolved. Uh, Match is what I like to call it. It started out with the most humble intentions. And like I said, I wasn't part of the hunting industry. And when I first started, I, you know, the first pages you follow are like, can I name drop on here? (laughs) You can do whatever you want, my friend. All right. Perfect. All right. So it's like my podcast. So, you know, the, the first things that you follow are like Cameron Haynes and people who are like Cameron Haynes, like that's, that's your first instinct to follow when you're, you know, bow hunting, you know, trying to get in there, you follow all these companies. And after a while I started seeing this weird, I don't even know how to explain it. Just a weird shift and how things should be, and how things are. Um, So I I spent more time, and you know, the more time I was on Instagram, the more time I delved into different accounts, and how people are doing things, and algorithms, and I just kind of got fed up with it. And I said, if I cannot do this organically, to, you know, have people follow me for the right reasons, not doing follow and follow, not trying to be disingenuous by gaining followers and, you know, people who I want to hang out with, then, you know, I don't want to do it. So I started out, really did about the same thing. I like taking pictures. Photography has been kind of a thing for the uh, past five years. And- yeah, I like
1: your waterfall photography.
3: Well, thank you. Uh, it, it, again, it's maturated over the years and you know, I'm to the point now where I, I kind of like my own style. And uh, it, it's been one of those things, but it, it's definitely evolved so much over the past three years that right now I'm in the position that I want to be. And I don't want to say that it's a troll because a lot of people kind of like to throw that word out. Um, so what
1: would you define a troll as then?
3: A troll is somebody who's trying to listen to a response who is, you know, forcibly putting something out there that says, I am trying to get people angry. I am trying to, you know, put something out there that are going to get emotions flying. I don't do that. Um, You know, some some posts absolutely may elicit an emotional response. I, I do get that a lot. However, I do do a lot of research before I just, you know, go out there and post something that says, you know person a did this, you know, I'm not just going to take a one side thing or one side approach to anything. And I think that's what separates me from maybe the other troll pages. I don't know. I don't want to, you know, name names, but
1: sure. We all know who you're talking about. (laughs) Yeah. Um,
3: No, I would agree.
1: I think that, I think that there is something different about hunt domain than the other two copper plated sixes and making hunting great again. Um, Let me ask you just a very straightforward question. Absolutely. Why do you think, and maybe this is just a a principle question. Why do we think, why do you think we need hunt domain to do the things that it does?
3: Well, I think it's, it's kind of a simple thing. So we, as a hunting community, I'm going to say, and sometimes I'm going to say hunting community and industry simultaneously, or, you know, it's in conjunction, same thing. Oh, sure. It isn't it isn't. But I think that we have a problem where we've lost I mean, our way. We, there's people that that do things and they're not accountable. So let me preface this with I think I'm a free American, right? I love to be free and free in a way of my rights end where yours begin. So I can do whatever I want as long as they don't infringe upon your rights. Right. So but at the end of the day. I should be 100% accountable for all of my actions, 100%. all of them. So that's how I feel about the hunt domain is that people post things that aren't necessarily, which don't say? line up with the value system that I think we should have as a hunting community. And somebody called me out a couple of days ago about censorship and I am 100% against censorship from a, a larger entity. However, I self-censor myself all the time. There's so many things that I think about before I post. I'm like, "Ah, is that a good idea? And I don't think that we use that enough. I don't think we use it enough in hunting at all. And if I'm self-censoring myself, then everybody else can too. And my post was about uh, somebody beating a crane over the head with a bat. And honestly,
2: I Couldn't care less. The animal dies instantly. It's
3: the actual act of doing it is not as brutal as people think. There's way more brutal ways to die, honestly. Way more brutal ways to die. My problem is, is that that act looks brutal to everyone else. Everyone else. And the people that are trying to take away your privilege, which I will say hunting is a privilege, not a right the people that are trying to take that, take away that privilege are the people that are watching some of that stuff. So when it comes to getting people into the outdoors, people who don't have any interest in the outdoors are not watching hunting content. It probably doesn't come across the radar, but people who are very involved in anti-hunting, hunting hunting comes across the radar all the time. It's in their explore feed. So they see stuff like that and they're like, oh man, let's make a video about this and expose this. And that, we 100%. see that happening right now with the predator killing um, contests. Yeah, the killing contest, which are there some people that are absolutely bloodthirsty? 100% there are. Correct. And who don't care about the, the actual implications of predators. They don't care about any of this stuff. They just want to shoot stuff. Correct. And that is a small majority, honestly. Correct. Small the minority. Vast, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. The small minority. The vast majority of the people who are doing these predator content, they care about the environment. They care about the game species they like to hunt. They are caring about the landscape. They care about the conservation of everything as a whole, and they are made to look like you know they're vilified. They're 100%. made to look like bloodthirsty killers that their sole purpose is to go out and kill as many as possible. And I got to give it up to coyotes; they are a very resilient species. But at the end of the day. You have to have some kind of a check to manage them. And so full circle, that's what the hunt domain is about, is accountability and people being accountable for the actions.
1: So I totally 1000% agree with you that one of the problems, you actually addressed uh, one of the things that we, I say all the time, we don't think enough in our hunting industry. And you didn't couch it as thinking, you did say think, but you couched it as We need to self-police ourselves in terms of being able to self-censor ourselves. Censorship of things that don't need to be out in the public domain. Censorship of things that just need to stay on your phone and be sent to your buddy via text message to say, "Hey, we all do it. We all have pictures like that. You just don't have to put them into the public domain."
3: Absolutely. I mean, I have all sorts of pictures. Um, You know, I've I've actually sent them to people uh, online who. Have asked like you know well why is this so brutal you know why is this a big deal you know they were very positive for hunting I'm like you know I I have multiple pictures of things being shot uh, geese being shot with you know legs flying off that picture is mine and I would never post it but I'll send it to buddies and be like you know this is ten guys shooting you know a single came in you know that that's how it should be Mm -hmm. we're not trying to vilify those pictures we're trying to self censor. Mm -hmm. posting that thing, not Mm -hmm. because of your buddies on social media, but because everybody else. You know, it's funny. I I think you've heard
1: this a lot also. it's To me, when you start thinking about social media, you start thinking about algorithms and whatnot, it really has nothing to do with the people. Well, I guess the algorithm has everything to do with engagement and likes and yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. But what I've started realizing is for what we do and the message we're trying to portray, it's not about who engages,
2: but rather who's watching. And
1: you'll be surprised how many people are watching you. And when someone a, has a public page mm-hmm. and you've heard them say this, when someone goes, hey, dude, that's not appropriate, don't be posting that. And he goes, well, I can do whatever I want is the first response. And that is true. But to your idea of accountability, there's an issue there. And two... When they say, well, if you don't like it, unfollow me and don't look at my pictures. Well, son, the fact that your page is public means everyone can see your pictures. And it's not just me that's looking at your pictures, it's lots of people that, as you said, have the idea that they just want to take hunting out left, right, and center.
3: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, it's funny how you, you say, you know, people are very defensive because um, of the people, who I have, you know, made fun of. There has been very, very few. And, you know, sometimes I will say I am very direct on making fun of somebody, you know, depends on what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, But I might make like, you know, a crazy meme that's like outside the realm of possibilities. And that person is actually the person in the meme and they reach out to me or, you know, they say, Hey, uh, this was like, you know, eight years ago. Uh, this is not me as a person anymore. I'm like, Hey, you know, good for you. Like glad you learned something. I'll take it down. Uh, that has happened very, very, very little. People are automatically defensive. Mm -hmm. People will, Oh, this person's calling me off for something. Even though I know in my mind, it's true. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm going to have all my buddies, you know, try to, uh, report the image and, you know, do a bunch of stuff. And it's like, at the end of the day, if you're being genuine about what you're doing and maybe you should take an introspective look at yourself and be like, oh man, like this person's calling me out for this. Like, Hmm, is it, is it true? Like, you know, maybe I should look at it from turn the table around, try to figure it out. And I try to do that all the time with myself too. I'm like, you know, how can this be perceived? Can it be perceived in a negative light? Can it be perceived in a positive light? And if you can weigh out those negatives, then absolutely, you know, post something like that. But there's very few people that are willing to have that conversation in the hunting world and be held accountable. And the few people that do, I absolutely applaud them. You know, some of those people I still talk today, Mm -hmm. and you know, I I can't complain with that. Those people are learning. Those people are. You have to start at some point. You have to start somewhere. Hunting. And if you start following all these pages that are, you know, beating cranes and doing different things and you're like putting ducks in your mouth and you're like, oh, that's cool. And you start doing that and you're like, oh man, I'm gonna get made fun of this. Like maybe I shouldn't do it. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying bullying's a good Mm -hmm. thing, but maybe like um, a little bit of it. So where
1: is that line then, right? So where's the line of you just talked about a bullying? Where's the line of calling someone out? And bullying, right? Because we all, bullying, I, I would think that, I'm not going to assume because I'll ask you the question. Bullying to yeah. me is unacceptable. Absolutely. And I would think to you it is also unacceptable. So it's almost like how do you define the line between bullying and calling someone out?
3: Are you ready for me to uh, make, make an analogy close to you? That Absolutely. You've done before? Absolutely. Okay, so you had just... Okay. Oh, I knew this was going to come up. Yeah, I knew this was going to come up, yeah. Now, so I, honestly, she's so far off my radar, I really couldn't care less too much. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think she's ungenuine. I don't think she's like, you know, an influencer or anything like that. I think that the, the problem that I have with, what was it, probably about a year ago, you had her and you mean- Oh, uh, two years, probably. Two years now. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And so she spoke- And I'm gonna probably just completely F this up. But I remember (laughs) she said something about, you know, we want to represent ourselves in a positive light. Mm -hmm. Wanna respect the wild game and nature, and we need to be thinking about this daily and that we care more about the animals than the majority of the world. Probably screw that up. I don't want to say it verbatim, but let's just say she said close. Something Something like that. Something like that. Right. So my problem is that she used your video slash you know, podcast. I don't know if she was on the podcast. I honestly couldn't remember, but she used that video as a platform to really just, she used it as a victim card playing. And she said that, you know, she's, she's being made fun of because she's a woman, which maybe she was in certain respects, Mm -hmm. but a vast majority of the people that I've talked to that are in the hunting industry I don't think that that was the case. We're not blaming her because she's a woman. We're making fun of her because she said all these things about respecting nature and we care more about the majority of the world. And then she shoots at an animal nine times, misses, Mm -hmm. and still keeps going. Mm -hmm. She took a shot at an elk at 70 yards just to try, Mm -hmm. misses. Glad Mm -hmm. she missed because Mm -hmm. if she wounded, it'd be even worse. Mm -hmm. But at what point is that line drawn? At -hmm. what point do we, you know, does hubris get in the way of rationality? Mm -hmm. That's my question. So it can go, it can go a lot of different ways. And so was she bullied? Maybe. I don't know. She wasn't bullied by me. Mm -hmm. I don't think. Mm -hmm. I think that there were some legitimate questions that I had, and maybe some other people do. But as you know, social media, you hide behind a steel curtain. People don't see you. You can make threats. You can make all sorts of things. And if she was, then I don't agree with those people who made threats. Mm -hmm. That's absolutely not the kind of page that I would want to be. And I would never want anybody to make a threat to somebody else because of something they do in the hunting industry. Mm -hmm. Like they could be the worst person in the hunting industry. And as long as they don't kill anybody, you shouldn't be making threats. You Mm -hmm. know, it's just kind of how it goes. Mm -hmm. But Oh,
2: I can
1: see that. No, no, no. I can see that. You know, there's, it's, you know, I'm not a woman. You're not a woman. And it's, it's difficult when you tread into that world. I do have a wife. I don't know if you're married or not, Mm -hmm. Um, but I do have a wife. And so I can be a little sympathetic in the idea of, um, you know, insecurities and confidence issues and all those things that circle in that world. I get it, 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 it happens in my life as well because of, of, you know, who I'm married to. But, and so I can see that being amplified. Um, I can also see if it potentially could be used as a platform, absolutely. Yeah. Um, the only problem is that I have is when I'm all about truth, right? I want to talk truth. I want to talk truth about hunting. I don't want to put hunting on a pedestal if it doesn't deserve to be on a pedestal. And when the, I know the whole Jess thing keeps coming up, keeps coming up, keeps coming up, right? The whole like she slung nine arrows or 12 arrows at an antelope. What I can say about that though is she was truthful in the fact that she did it versus not telling anyone that she did it and she killed this antelope. You know, everyone thinks, oh, maybe she killed it on the first try. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people have done that. I think a lot of us in, you know, in learning how to hunt because she is a learner um, back then I think she's a pretty accomplished hunter today um, Like I, you know, I don't know would I, would I fling an, an arrow at an elk at 70 yards if it's my first season elk hunting or second season elk hunting I probably would and I think a lot of people would too but would you show it? I don't know, but she did, and was
3: that was truthful to who she was? Um, no, and I can't yeah. discount her for that. Honestly, I, I can't. But for me, if we're talking about being ethical, I'll, I'll talk about the, the time before I even started. You know, this page or starting even being on Instagram. Oh,
1: so talk about your value system because you set your value system of hunting, um, and you're just about to talk about ethics. So yeah. you can tie okay. those yeah. two things together.
3: So it, I made the switch to traditional archery, uh, for actual hunting. You know, I've been shooting bows for years and years and years. I really never started hunting with one, but just because I grew up farming and during the early season, everybody was harvesting, not animals, but harvesting crops. And so at that point, Oh, I just didn't have time to bow hunt. I had that two week rifle season. We usually were done or close to being done. I could sneak away for a couple of days, no big deal. But then I, I really started to connect with the traditional side of archery. I met some cool guys and you know, I just fell in love with it. Uh, it's harder, it's way more difficult. I practiced for a year and a half, maybe even two years before I went out my first time. I was dead on every single target you could throw, I mean, 25 yards and on, I mean, I would shoot lights out. So my first two or three hunts, I see nothing. Um, And this was in North Carolina at the time. And the, I think it was like fourth or fifth sit that I was out there. I see a doe and I'm like, yeah, I'm definitely going to shoot this thing. Perfect broadside 20 yard shot. I shot her low in the brisket and that was heart wrenching for me. I don't think I cried, but maybe in close uh, because I, I tracked that animal for 24 hours, didn't find it. And all of the culmination of my skills that I thought that I had just went out the door and I stopped. I stopped hunting with that bow. I practiced. I went back to it. So if there was another deer that walked by, I wouldn't have shot. I, if I knew what I knew now, And there was another deer that walked by. I wouldn't have shot. So when I see somebody missing animals multiple times, even if they're new, when is the time you take a step back, look at yourself and say, I need to hang this shit up for Mm -hmm. a while, Mm -hmm. practice Mm -hmm. and come back out.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: I mean, you can never practice in a real world scenario. It's never going to happen, but you can always just take out that edge as much as you possibly can. And in that respect, that's why I, that, that's why I disagree with her in that respect. So,
1: so let's use that example. Yeah. Because I think it's actually maybe a system of the system of our community. Um, and when I say system, I, I, so a, maybe a system is the wrong word, a systemic issue in the community, that there's this pressure. These people the influences, the bigger accounts, there's a pressure to perform.
3: Absolutely. It's called it's social it. currency too. Uh, I, I've talked about it a lot in the, the podcasts. is there's a social currency behind things that get likes. And I even, I'm guilty of it too. You're probably guilty of it without even knowing it. You post something, it gets hundred likes in an hour, 200 likes in two hours. You know, it keeps on going. People like that. There's a dopamine response. There's all the serotonin. That's why going we have social media. Right? Exactly. And so when you, you put that and then you put an animal that you've killed into that and people start liking it, and you're like, oh, this is awesome. People really like my stuff. Then it becomes pressure of people want to like my stuff, but only if I kill something. So if you kill something, that equals success. And we've really gotten away from what is success. Is success going out there and having a good... Because I, I got to preface this again. I've really switched over the past couple of years to like waterfowling. And I know Ryan touched on it on the podcast. There's so much camaraderie with waterfowling. There's so much brotherhood involved. You can just meet up with some random dudes that you've never met and just be like, hey man, you want to go smash some ducks? Absolutely you BS in the blind, you cook some food and then you immediately shut up because there's ducks overhead. You work, them. you try to get them to come in, you shoot them, maybe you don't. And then it's just right back to that conversation. You can't do that with any other style of hunting, maybe upland, maybe, but everything else, like try doing it with deer hunting does not work. Mm -hmm. So to go back to the influencers, we have in the community, follow somehow the the amount of followers that somebody has is somehow perceived as a sense of validity of how successful and how good of a hunter they are, which couldn't be further from the the truth. Um, And this is especially true for companies. They try to market products to these people who have, you know, 200, 300,000 followers. And I would be willing to bet money, lots of money that the ROI on these companies is only exposure and some of that exposure is not good. If you are only getting exposure for your ROI, I don't know. Just isn't that, like a very isn't good that the model. point
1: though? Isn't that if they're selling binos from it, if they're selling stuff from it, that's, I'd be willing a, that's to bet a business.
3: That, I would be willing to bet that that exposure is only exposure. It does not translate into sales. So if, uh, Indoors Alley goes out there and says, hey, I've been hunting for two years. I use Swarovski. Swarovski's the best. You've been hunting for two years. You probably, most people don't start out spending $2,000 on a pair of binos. You've probably never used a pair of binoculars or a pair of Swarovski binoculars in your life until you got them given to you. Now they're the best binoculars. I'm not saying they're not the best binoculars because they're pretty good. But the problem is, is that Somehow in the grand scheme of things, somebody has realized that people who follow her are giving her validation to be an expert in the community when she's not. And I have no problem with people starting out and saying, hey, I don't know. I don't know. And I'll be the first one to say, if you want to come talk to me about elk hunting, I don't know. I have no idea. Coon hunting, no idea. I'll tell you what I know, and it's not a lot, but I know a little about a lot. And I'll tell you what I know, and that's it. You know, people don't—they want to be the next expert. They want to be the next person that can tell everybody everything. But sometimes you're just not, and people don't accept that. And I think that's what bothers me about some of these influencers that are out there in the community today—is that they don't take the time to learn. They don't take the time to blow a duck call or just buy some decoys and try to figure out what works. You know, I'm going to tailor this to waterfowl, but they don't do any of that stuff. They just go out there, they hunt with different people, call it a day, they post some pictures online that they may or may not have killed. And boom, there you go. They get more likes and more follows.
1: So let me ask this. This is going to be probably the biggest poke
2: I poke you with today. Yeah, go ahead. What is wrong with that? If it's causing people to become
1: hunters and like hunting more? Would
3: you say, I'm going to turn around a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) So I would say, let's go all the way back to Cameron Haynes, right? I mentioned him very, very early in the podcast. Mm -hmm. And as much hate as Cameron Haynes gets in some of these communities of trolls, I would say Cameron Haynes has done more for getting people in the outdoors been a lot of different people who went on Joe Rogan back in like 2013 bow hunting spiked up a lot of people wanted to start doing different things and for that I can say absolutely thank you Cameron Haynes for getting more people in the outdoors
1: I could I would change that a little bit I would say with I would say Joe has probably exceeded him
3: as As of of now absolutely and when you say outdoors you mean hunting yes
1: yeah okay I just want to make sure we're on the same page
3: Joe right now has out done Cameron Haynes for sure. But that was like the first real instance of Joe getting into hunting is Cameron Correct. Haynes came on Correct. and he was like, oh, I kind of want to do this bull hunting thing. Correct. And honestly, I don't listen to Joe Rogan anymore. Uh, my commute is only 12 minutes. So I've listened to hardly <laughs> any podcast. Uh, regardless though. Except this one. Except this one, of course. Yeah. But regardless though, I, I think that while there has been some good done then you should still allow, be allowed to call out the inconsistencies in some of the people's things. But you is know. it really bad for hunting, Glenn? I think that's the root of the question here is, is what,
1: let's use this as an example, is what Indoor Alley is getting from Swarovski and promoting these binoculars,
2: mm-hmm.
1: is that
3: truly bad for hunting? In the grand scheme of things, it, I don't think it perpetuates the right things. It perpetuates the idea that with no skills, you can become an expert. And there are a lot of experts out there that have 100, 200 followers that have been insert hunting genre here, been doing it for years. They know more about literally anybody in the hunting industry, but they don't have celebrity. So when they're trying to build celebrity... Like you know, I think it's outdoors alley. I, I just say indoors alley all the time. But um, so when she's trying to build celebrity, which she is, by posting product placement things, and and I'll be the first one to say I see very very little con like actual content that revolves around conservation with them at all. And that's, that's one of the things that is very important. It's very centric to, as a hunter is the conservation aspect of. How do you make this a viable game species for the entire United States? I mean, I posted something about pintails. The federal limit on pintails is still one, the whole entire United States. There are some pintails out there, but they have bad nesting habits. You know, there's aggressive mallards out there. That's conservation. It's trying to get everybody opportunity to shoot a pintail if they want to. They are only interested in conservation whenever it suits them. And that is a big issue. You look at the Utah ban on trail cameras. Mm -hmm. People are now speaking out about that because it suits them because they will lose money if they can't get that success. If they can't shoot that deer because they can't see it because they didn't get it on trail cam, they don't know where it's at. They lose that success and now their business model goes completely down the drain.
1: So what's wrong with that business model, though, is what I'm trying to, maybe it's what I'm rather asking. Is like outdoor, Outdoors Alley has decided that as a job, I want to be an outdoors influencer. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to make a salary. I'm trying to make a living at it. And I guess I, I, maybe the analogy I was thinking about earlier was, and maybe this is true, is that.
2: Take any, any profession, like a plumber. But mm-hmm. right?
1: a plumber wants to make a living. But other plumbers are like, that plumber, you're not a very good plumber. You're just a really good salesman. Well, is it up to the other plumbers to say to the western world
2: that that plumber sucks? Or is it up to the clients of that plumber
1: to give bad reviews to say, hey, you shouldn't be working with that plumber?
3: I see what you're I'm, saying. Yeah. I, I can see what you're saying. And honestly, I think that it comes down to everybody is an influencer on social media. Everyone. You're an influencer. I'm an influencer. It, it's, this term has become bastardized, right? It, same thing with Huntress. It's become bastardized over the past, I don't know, three, four years of everybody's trying to influence somebody for something, right? So you're trying to influence people to see your point of view as somebody who is was not born in America. Who's become an American citizen? Who this is, the outlook of me. I am trying to influence people to see that you know maybe hunting isn't exactly what it seems on the face value. Everybody is trying to influence somebody. I got it, but some people are trying to influence people for the wrong reasons. And I think the hunting community is more. It's better than that. What if not about? Say- go ahead. Sorry, I did cut you off. No, it's not about always. If you want to make money, that's fine. I have no problem with making money. Making money is great. But when you do it and you sell your soul to the hunting community or the hunting industry, you know, landmarks, then, and you you have no skills and you have no intention of getting those skills. You really don't care so much about hunting as you do is just getting accolades and getting celebrity. Then is it really worth it? you know, maybe that's just my value structure of of hunting is I do this. I do the podcast because I like doing it. I don't get paid. I don't have sponsors. Nobody would sponsor me anyway, but (laughs) I don't have any of these things. I do it. It's a passion project. I love talking to different people. I love, and I don't want to like try to turn this around on me and not answer your question. And if I haven't answered your question, let me know. But that's because I love to do it. I enjoy doing it. It's kind of a pain in the ass sometimes, absolutely. But I enjoy doing it. And so if I made money, that'd be great. But at the same time, sometimes if you're not in it for the right reasons, then why are you in it? Mm, Okay. And I, I think some people, and I don't want to get like super preachy over here, but you know, some people, they live their entire life just trying to go job to job and trying to figure where they belong in life where they meet the right just road and just can drive down it, you know, but some people just never hit that and they're going to be wanting the rest of their life. And then they just die. You know, it sucks, but a lot of people do that and do what you want to do. If you want to, if your passion is, I don't know, painting pictures, paint some damn pictures
1: so what, why don't you think outdoor alley, again, we use this example, but it's a good mm-hmm. one to use. Why do you not think that her passion is hunting?
3: I don't think she's, her passion is hunting because if you take photographs of a legitimate photograph of you walking out of the truck 25 yards and that's a photo shoot for you know, a bow or whatever it actually was, then you don't live it. She doesn't backcountry. She's backyard. and. That's the type of disingenuity, if that's even a word, That's the type, of stu- <laughs> the type of stuff that we don't need. We need to check that. We need to hold people accountable for that. If people love going in the back country and you know, killing elk and doing different things, I honestly don't care how big of an elk they kill. That's awesome. Good for them. But if people try to put up a facade of I know more than you because I have 100,000 followers and people follow me around to take pictures and people give me money to promote products. That's not real. That's not real at all. I think that's probably the reason that I disagree with it. And I'm not saying all influencing is bad. I think that micro-influencing is a good thing, really. Um, if do, you you think that at- the,
1: do you think the hunting industry has become more, I, 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 I'm trying to sort of distill the issue here. That's why I keep like poking and prodding and yeah, yeah. stepping back and, and poking you from a different direction. It, it sounds like, and, and please correct me here if I'm wrong, it sounds like, like we started. You love to hunt. You understand what it means to you. I don't know if you have kids. Do you have kids yet? No. When you have kids, it'll mean even more to you. And what you're seeing is people in a position of influence, not loving it as much as you do, or at least not showing it the, that they're loving it as much as you do. And promoting, and, and when they promote, when they influence, they're not promoting this love of this thing that is inside you, that is inside me but rather they may be promoting this ideal of being an influencer.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Kind of, yeah.
3: Something very close to that. I, I mean, honestly, the hunting industry has been fucked since its start. If you look at any hunting show and you probably didn't grow up watching hunting shows and I didn't either, but if you looked at any hunting show from the eighties, the nineties, it's a giant infomercial and it always has been. And it probably always will be different TV. It's completely different than any other cable news that you spend, I don't know, a million dollars and you get your news, everything is handled, you know, commercials or whatever else. It is a giant infomercial on outdoor TV. And honestly, I think that's part of the problem is that when, if say me, I want a TV show and I want to show exactly what I do uh, start to finish, well, I'm on the hook for you know a certain amount of money, but then I got to sell sponsorships to get people to buy ads, so they can throw them in there as a bumper that says, "This segment is sponsored by Insert Brand Here," and we're great because we do things in the hunting community. So it's always been like that, and it's probably not going to change. And I think that's probably a systemic issue that may have translated to social media, where it's all about the products. It's all about this. It's all about that. And those products may be super shitty and they probably are. There's so many failed products out there that are just held up by people who posted on Instagram. I mean, there's so many of those. I could give examples for days, but I think that's probably a systemic issue that we've looked at since 1980, honestly.
1: Well, there's a reason why we as a hunting community are in the position we are in today. Okay, it's, there's no fault but our own. We have to introspectively look at ourselves to say, we are here, we are fighting every day tooth and nail against the anti-hunting establishment because we've given them all of the fodder that they want. Mm-hmm. And we continue to give them all the fodder that they want. So there's something to what you're saying. You know, I think the, the, the marketing aspect, I think... A lot of people, even since you know we started Blood Origins four years ago, I think the idea of storytelling, the idea of narratives, the idea of this like organicness, authenticity yeah. is starting to emerge. You know, I think the tide is changing. I think, I think authenticity is another. I think another element of your value
3: system when it comes to hunting. Absolutely, it's it's impossible to fake. You can fake it for a while but you can't fake it for very long. People will figure it out. And once they figure it out, they're going to call you out about it. And authenticity is something that, again, you know, I said it earlier, if I can't do this often, this authentically, I'm not going to do it. And I've remained true to that as far as I know. Um, And I, I don't want anything to change. I don't, you know, I love engaging with different people every single day and you know, having conversations about ducks or deer or or whatever else it is, or the hunting industry as a whole. And I try to engage as much people as possible. And if I don't engage with you, I'm sorry. Sometimes you just get stuck in my, you know, requested bin. But in the vast majority, I try to respond to everybody and people hate that because I'm always on my phone. But at the same time, it's allowed me to be what I am today. I've been able to take different you know segments of people's experiences and outlooks on life and then put them together to what I am right now and who I am as a hunter and I think that's important I think that's where we need to be as a hunting society moving forward because I mean look at it hunting is dwindling dwindling so much and how do you get people into hunting right it's a you know the R3 question how
2: do you get people into hunting I don't know all the answers.
3: I don't. How do you re-engage people? How do you get kids in hunting? I mean, I have some ideas, but is it right? I don't know. You know, I, so if, there was one, here, if there was one I,
1: thing, if there was one thing you could change about, I think I may know the answer to this, but I'll, I'll lift lost. I'll loft it over anyway. If there was one thing you could change on social media tied to how we portray ourselves, what would that be?
3: Oh, that is a hard question though. There's one thing that we can change how we portray ourselves.
2: So when I was in South Africa, I learned that the
3: game photo is one of the most important things that you can do. So I grew up taking photos of, hey, here's a dead deer slung in the back of a truck, call it a day. And not that there wasn't a certain reverence when you killed that deer, not that you didn't respect the game, but you just threw it in the back of the truck and you're holding up the deer head and you're like, yeah, hell yeah, brother. You know, I got her. But when I was in South Africa, I I see like, you know, the pH is like washing the animals off and setting them up perfectly. And I was like, man, I've been doing it wrong my whole entire life. It's like, this is what is really,
2: truly. A trophy photo.
3: This is what everybody should try to emulate, and so I try to do it with everything that I did. Um, Not necessarily that that is the end all be all thing that you should try to do, but just the photos that you post. If there is one thing that we could change, is take that one second, two seconds, and realize like, is this the right thing to post right now? Should I do this? Self censorship, not. Instagram censorship, where they are telling you what you can and cannot post, but self censorship—that is the number one thing that I wish we could change.
1: I may even title this podcast "Self Censorship." <laughs> <laughs> it's People perfect. Like no, it's it's perfect. It really is. It is the. It's you know, I've been bombarded this week with these predator wildlife contests. The guy oh, yeah, that put that the, the video been... out, the guy that put the video out, that Philip Dondrade... I actually reached out and hopefully by the end of this week, we're going to have him on the podcast. And we're oh, going to really? talk truth and we're going to talk facts. And, but he is, he's okay with hunting, Glenn. He's okay with predator management. Well. <laughs> but he's not okay with idiots. Well, I'm not okay with
3: idiots either. And, and I think a majority of hunters aren't. I would say, yeah, the vast majority of hunters aren't. There's a lot of idiots out there in the world today. I mean, you see it when you drive to work every single day. There's some idiot that's, you know, going in and out of traffic. And you're like, what is this guy doing? The hunting industry and hunting community is no different. There is bound to be idiots every single place that you look. And I didn't know that about this guy, Felipe or Philip or or whatever his Mm -hmm. name is. I've been sent that video multiple times. I've watched it all the way through once. I think it was too long for me, but... Um, it, it seemed like an expose is like somebody who would be so anti-hunting.
1: Absolutely. Well, it's, it's that way because it's, you've got to remember, it's sensationalist. Yeah. And it's the whole point, if you've noticed, it's been amazing. This is what pisses me off. Why we don't do this in the hunting community. These guys had a plan, Glenn. They knew exactly when they were going to drop it. They knew exactly the accounts that were going to come on board to share the message. They were coordinated.
0: Mm -hmm. They
1: were zealots. That's why you've seen it so much. That's why I've seen it so much. They were zealous in sharing the content. Hunting hunters, we are not zealots when it comes to good content. We don't get behind it like the aunties do. We don't have thousands of comments. We don't have thousands of likes. We don't have thousands of shares. I don't know why. I don't know why. And maybe it's this primal instinct of competition that we don't want to see another hunter get the accolades from the tribe.
3: I don't know. I think that's part of it, honestly. I I think it is like, oh, that guy shot a bigger deer than me. Like, oh, it's probably high You know there's a lot of those little like side nip mm-hmm. conversations that happen between two friends, you know, looking at a picture of a guy with a deer or a girl with a deer, you know, mm-hmm. that happens a lot. Um, that whole entire video though is it's way too sensationalist Yeah, where it, it's, it's almost disingenuous to the entire, the vast majority of people who, I don't know. I said it earlier in the podcast that, there absolutely has to be a few guys that are super bloodthirsty that their only idea of fun is to go out and kill as many of the predators as possible. But the vast majority of those guys care about the conservation. They care about the landscape. They care about the public lands. They care about all the things that encapsulate killing that predator. And coyotes specifically, not not necessarily bobcats, and other predators but, but coyotes are a resilient creature. They're they're amazing. I really respect coyotes. I still shoot them. Really respect them. They can come in heat multiple times a year just because there's not enough coyotes around. They're in every single state. They were only in the American Southwest in like 1920 and now they're in every single state. You can see them in the cities. It's crazy to think how coyotes have evolved to this resilient species. But that being said, they do a lot of damage. Even here in Pennsylvania, 20% of the predation of fawns, deer fawns, are from coyotes. The other 20% is from bears, which is insane. But yeah, that's a that's a real statistic. Cows that didn't even exist here for a long time. And now they're 20% killing all of the fawns? That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But... They need to be
2: managed.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, you know, coming back to our conversation, it, it's all perception-driven, right? It's all driving perceptions around who we are as hunters. Driving perceptions around uh, the fact that we're just these blood-lusting killers. Um, and so, I, you know, it's it's interesting. We live in two different worlds. That's almost like my world that I that like that I'm running in, and almost inside the hunting community is your world in that it's the guy that's running over the coyote, coyote with a snowmobile in that, in that video mm-hmm. would be the first guy that I think you'd call out on, on Hunter May to say, look at this jackass.
3: Yeah. I mean, things happen, you know? Like Maybe you drive – have you ever seen the video of a guy who gets hit by a deer riding a motorcycle?
1: I've seen a guy being hit by a hard beast on a mountain bike. In South Africa, <laughs> well,
3: this is probably not the same. But I mean, there's just like there's some things that just happen in their happenstance, and somebody for whatever reason gets on a video, and then there's stuff that is blatant mm-hmm. and that is, I'm going to video this, and we saw this in Pennsylvania where these kids are beating. Oh yeah, this deer, I remember that. I remember that. Literally beating the steer, and I watched that video. And I guess the older I get, the the more of like a soft hearted, like bleeding person I get. And I'm like, I feel bad for that deer, mm-hmm. you know, and I never want to make something suffer as long as, you know, possible. Like some people do, um, I'm not a sociopath and I don't think the vast majority, 99.99% of hunters are not sociopaths, but videos like the coyote contest makes every single person there seem like an absolute Sociopath, psychopath, who wants to kill everything, mm-hmm. and that is so not the case. Mm-hmm. Maybe one person out of you know one hundred thousand is that guy, but the vast majority are they care about the landscape, and I, I think that there's a lot of good groups out there that who have highlighted some of this stuff. Uh, Sportsmen's Alliance is one of my favorite groups that I follow. That I think does a wonderful job of highlighting some of these, some of these bands, um, others, not so much, but I don't know if that's a conversation you'd like to get into or not.
1: <laughs> nah, we'll <laughs> leave that for another one. But yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> Sportsman's Alliance. They're good friends of ours. Uh, Brian and Bruce, we had a, them on the podcast, a uh, couple of days ago, uh, talking about trapping. Um, yeah. and specifically we talked about these coyote killing contests. Well, dude, we've been going for an hour. Um, I will say this. I'm very curious to, to hear a couple more, a couple of the responses that you got from your Insta oh, story yeah. poll. I'm sure you've uh, covered you, a couple of them, but.
3: Honestly, I, I got about 400 of them. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Wow, man, I I feel, I feel honored that
3: I had that much response. I definitely got a lot. I can, I can go through and I can highlight some of them that are the, uh,
1: if there are any quick hitters, let's do some quick hitters.
3: Let let me, all right, quick hitters here. Um, let's see, hunting doesn't need to be philosophical. It's supposed to be fun. And I was going to touch on this a little bit. And I think that your page in particular Kind of romanticizes hunting a little bit too much, uh, especially early on. Um, early on, the videos that I've seen, sure. it, it seems to be more of like you're writing a Hemingway novel about hunting. Sure, sure, And sure. sometimes it just needs to be fun. No, you know, and I, I totally hunting. agree
1: with you. I've had a couple of people say to me, "Hey, Robbie, why don't you lighten it up a little bit?" Right. <laughs> and I'll tell you this, and I think you, I, I started this way um, because I told you why I take it so seriously. Is because I never had it. Mm-hmm. And Glenn, it's tough to comprehend something that you didn't have and now you have it. And so I think a lot of Americans um, don't realize what they have until you guys, until we lose it. And Absolutely. so when someone says to me, Why are you take things so seriously? I'm like, well, that's why I take it so seriously because I've got two young boys that I want them to have. But. Uh, yes, I agree. Um, they are. We are working on me being a little bit more fun uh, on 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 the page, and it fold, right? We started. It really started me exploring why mm-hmm. people hunted, and now we've moved to and morphed to conveying the truth around hunting, which still is the heart of people. That's what I want to capture. I want to capture the heart of people, uh, but that's just one pillar of multiple pillars.
3: Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. And, you know, as a a show, you progress, you maturate, you think different things. And I mean, I think that's a part of learning. So not a bad one. All right. Um, cool. Let's see. Let's, let's go. I feel like that's what it's going to take way too long to talk about that <laughs> one. Um, <laughs> there's so many. Um, and I know like you're not, at what, what, at what point did you move here? Uh, 2003. And Okay. So 2003.
1: 2003, I moved to the States. So I'm like an American years. citizen in 2013, I believe.
3: Oh, it took you 10 years.
1: Yeah. I was okay. a student for five years and then I married and I was a green card for a couple of years and then decided to make the leap for us to become okay. a
3: citizen. All right. So, um, in, in this respect, it's about guns and the Pittman Robertson act. So without getting like too involved, um, so, as somebody who was who didn't have the privilege and right as a Second Amendment, you know, owner in South Africa, and then you moved here, which does have that privilege. What changed in terms of your outlook on life?
1: Everything. Like, I, I you have no privilege in South Africa. There is no public land. There is no, you know. I remember. I'll give you a perfect example for from a gun perspective. Um. I have my grandfather's weapons with me. I have a, a 270. I've only got a 270, and then he bought me a 375 Holland Magnum. But I had a shotgun. The only shotgun, the only th- thing that I hunted in South Africa was pigeons with a side by side Davidson, dual trigger. It had the Chinese stamp uh, um, burnt into the stock. That was my grandfather's side by side in the 1920s in China. Because I didn't have a, it wasn't in my name. It was in my father's name. There was no way to convert it to my name because at the time, gun laws were so restrictive. You had to have a safe, you had to have proficiency tests, yada, 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 yada. My dad took a, an angle grinder to the barrels and put two holes in the barrels and cut the stock off and I have the stock here. So when, but, but I'm also, I also understand, you know, the, the realism of this world that we live in. So gun laws to me, I'm very much a pro-gun, pro-2A kind of guy. Um, But if someone said to me, and here's the very big but, if someone says to me, Robbie, would you be okay with uh, more background checks on you before you took a gun out of the
2: store? 100%. Not a problem. If
1: someone says, well, are you okay with us just taking this one gun away from us? I've got a problem with it because you cannot guarantee me that that's the last gun you're going to come take from me and so see, it's
3: a, i'll go a step further It's
1: slow erosion it's a slow erosion of something that i've already lost
3: yeah and, and see I, I think that a lot of people are very i don't want to say like it's it's the common sense things i'm going to throw it these common sense things that we we need to be all around but what common sense things what do they turn into Hey, more background checks for, they've been talking about this gun show loophole for years and years and years. There's no gun show loophole. There's not one at all. But they're talking about all these universal background checks and all this other stuff. It's not as hard to get a gun here as South Africa, but some states make it very difficult to get a gun. New Jersey being very, very difficult to get a gun, especially a pistol. And we have these draconian laws In some of these states, and where does it end? And I think that a lot of people who are maybe on the left side of the aisle who are, you know, anti certain types of guns are, and they happen to be hunters, are doing themselves a disservice because 11% of all guns and ammo and some archery stuff goes into the Pittman Robertson Act, and it's billions dollars every year for conservation. Absolutely.
1: No, Pittman-Robertson Act is probably one of the most uh, foresight-rich pieces of legislation that anyone could have put in place for wildlife conservation.
3: Absolutely. And I hate taxes. I'll be the first one to say I absolutely (laughs) hate taxes. Taxes are the absolute worst thing ever. It's theft. But I agree with this one little excise tax. And this is probably where my value system kind of like falters. But It's so much money and it's almost to the point where hunters really don't, they don't give as much money as people think in terms of conservation. The people who are out there just shooting on the weekend, who burn some ammo up, hey, I'm going to go to a a carbine course or, you know, I'm going to go shoot a pistol match. Those people are actually contributing more than hunters themselves. Correct. It's literally about half and half, honestly, with like license sales and everything else. Mm -hmm. So the person that maybe doesn't really care about hunting, but likes to shoot some stuff, those are the people that we need to turn over. Those are the people that we need to get hunting. Mm -hmm. I think that's our target audience is the gun community of, hey, you shoot pistols every weekend. Like, hey, you want to go shoot some pigeons? That's the kind of conversations we need to be having. And I, I think that we, as a whole... We need to start as a, a grassroots in our own communities. And Instagram's a great tool to find people, you know, locally that you can network with to get people involved, even your own job. Hey, I know you got some kids like would they be interested in going on a waterfowl hunt or pigeon hunt or something like that to get mm-hmm. them involved? 100%. Cuz that is how we perpetuate hunting for the future. 100% man.
1: I love it. I love it. We should do a second one with all your responses. <laughs> I think,
3: <laughs> I mean, there, there's so many here. I would have to print them off. And, uh, most of them are kind of the same thing that we actually already touched on. So I, you know, to scroll right past them, um, I wanna, Come on, let's I do there, a couple more. I come wish on. there was a zinger in here. There's gotta be, come on, give me a zinger. Gotta be a zinger. I've
2: zung
1: you, I've zinged you a couple of times tonight.
3: I feel like,
2: that's eh, not bad. Oh man, come on. There's
3: gotta be, One person, come on. Predator (laughs) management. We've talked about predator management. Yeah, I talked about that. Um, The disease that you can get from putting a duck in your mouth. Yes, that is true. You can definitely get diseases. Uh, Sierra Langbell actually posted uh, she got some kind of a, I guess it was like a foreign piece of water bacteria that got in her eye, not from putting the duck in her mouth, but from getting an a piece of water into her eye and she almost lost her eye. And that was from a duck. So don't put ducks in your mouth, kids. It's yeah. It's not fun. It's not it's not a cool thing.
1: What you don't know is I've got a PhD in in swamps. That's my background.
3: Oh, is that your background? I knew you had a PhD. I didn't know
1: Yeah, I'm a swamp guy. And uh, (laughs) yeah, there's a bunch of nasty stuff in swamps. You just don't want to
3: So at one point in your life, let me just ask you this at one point in your life you're like, you know what? I want to be a doctor, but not one that helps people. just talks about swamps all day
1: that's right that's right (laughs) and what you realize is when you become a doctor of swamps is that uh you know a little bit about a little thing in this world that we call nature so
2: interesting man i tell you what
3: there is i'm still scrolling through i'm like
1: (laughs) Well, geez, I'm flattered that you had that much response. Well, I'm flattered that they even knew who I was. So, no,
3: I honestly, a lot of people were like, uh, "Hey, congrats!" Um, I can't look. You made look it. Forward to it much. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to. I, I can't wait to hear this episode. It's gonna be great. Um, so, hopefully, you lived up to it. Uh, the,
1: Absolutely. No, look, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I want to just say thank you because I didn't prep you at all for this. And I just said, I want to come. I want you to come on here. I want us to have an amicable conversation. Uh, I love some of the stuff you do. I don't agree with everything that you do, um, but I agree with more of your stuff than the other guys. Um, so that's what I wanted. And I think that I want. I think there's. I think that's lacking in this world. This idea of let's have some opposing viewpoints and let's amicably oh, that's the whiskey talking, <laughs> amicably discuss, you know, those viewpoints and really de- you know, be able to peel some layers behind individuals that you may think you understand why they're doing something. Yeah.
3: No, so absolutely. thank you, Glenn. And, and again, uh, I, I think it's, it's one of those things like, I want people to debate me. That makes me learn. That makes me introspectively look at myself. And when you get somebody who debates you online, that immediately they just, they throw out an insult and you're stupid. This is the stupid thing. I'm not going to talk to you. I want somebody, if you have an opposing viewpoint, absolutely bring it to me, but bring it to me in an amicable way and a way that sounds intelligent because otherwise what's the point? You know? So I, I really respect you and what you do and this conversation and while I may not agree with everything that you talk about, you romanticize a little bit too much. Um, honestly, I think as a whole, you're doing a betterment for the community. So that is important. And I think that's the way we need to move forward with. So maybe I can, you know, tweak some of your uh, thought processes on some things and uh, we'll move forward from there.
1: That sounds like a plan, brother. Thank you, Glenn. I much appreciate you.
3: Robbie, I appreciate it. Thanks again. Have a good night. Well, that's it for today.